0: Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast with your host, Evan McElwain. Welcome back to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. I'm Evan McElwain, Bowery Capital's Director of Growth. And this week, we are joined by Oleg Campbell, founder and CEO of Reply.io to talk about evolving your sales tech stack. Great to have on the show. Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me. So, Oleg, tell us about you, your background, and the current company that you're building, Reply.io.
1: Yeah. So, my background is in uh, software development. I started working as a programmer full-time at the age of 19. I was not lucky enough to go to the college to study programming. So I ended up learning it myself. I just found it would be the only way to learn programming. So I self taught myself programming, started working as, at the age of 19. I think at the age of 21, I realized that the programming is not my ultimate goal. I really want to build a business. So at the age of 21, don't want to work as a programmer anymore and having no business idea, I thought uh, what would be the most challenging task for me. And, and I realized that the most challenging task for me would be to go uh, abroad, especially to United States. I wanted to go to United States for a long time and try to find their job as a programmer. And I ended up going actually to Canada. I lived there for years. While I was living in Canada, I built my first business. And then right before I left Canada, came back to Ukraine and started my second business, which is called Reply. Basically, Reply, where it's a sales engagement platform. We automate sales. We automate routine sales operations. And the idea came to me. I basically realized that I don't understand how sales work. I want to figure out how sales work. And because I was a programmer, I automate as much as possible of sales processes.
0: Awesome. And one last question before we kind of really dive in. What is one thing that no one listening to this podcast will know about you?
1: I think that's probably... No one who's listened to the podcast would know my dedication to uh, fitness and sport. I believe only if you have healthy and fit body, you'll ha- you'll have healthy and fit mind. Uh, since like your brain is a part of your body, so for me, achievements and uh, like business is correlates with achievements or in fitness in my uh, physical body.
0: Awesome. So. Today, we're talking all about how founders and sales leaders should think about building and evolving their sales tech stack over time. I'm excited to dig-, dig into you, like, because, you know, you live and breathe this stuff all day long. So do we here at Bowery. So I think it'll be a really great discussion. We're going to focus a lot on sort of order of operations, you know, what tools to get first, when to upgrade, when to splurge on that sales tool that looks great, but seems a little bit too expensive. So Oleg, can of help us set the stage here? Are there distinct stages of companies' growth that sort of serve as, you know, kind of benchmark for, you know, when to buy this versus that, how how should we kind of orient ourselves around this topic today before we dive in deeper?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think the best way would be if I'll just share our experience, how our sales tech evolve and along the way, I'll give uh, some recommendations, uh, what I think should be a, a good uh, sales tech evolution.
0: Perfect. Let's do that.
1: Yeah, so I think I'll start from the mistake. So the mistake, first mistake, I would say it's when we wanted to build sales team and sales sponsors in Reply, I basically wanted to do, like for a small startup, I wanted to do the best right away. So I thought, okay, we're going to hire VP of sales. We're going to have we're going to have lead scoring system. We're going to adapt Salesforce. We're going to have record all our meetings and then analyzing all these meetings and we'll have presentations. So it was too much of the things I tried to do at the same time, and it ended up causing us mistakes and maybe some resources spent not wisely. I think as if when you're just starting. If you again, you should be lean with building your sales team and lean with building your sales stack. So as for sales team, if you just few people company, you're not obvious to need VP sales. You may start with just one or two sales rep, and then evolve. So someone from out of this sales rep may grow into this position, or you may hire someone. As regard of tools, so first of all, we use Salesforce for the team of three, which was which was too much for a team of three and uh, Salesforce for a simpler system. Once we realized that, again, we don't have as much, we don't want to invest so much time and money into like getting out of Salesforce and uh, what we need and configure in, in that way. As for lead scoring, actually, we failed to build proper lead scoring at the beginning. And I think it was as well, as well a mistake, since when you have a handful of leads coming to you, you need to talk to everyone and you don't need to any sales uh, lead scoring system so there was a first evolution and uh, i would say uh, the mistake we tried to to take tools and processes and embed into like utilize tools and processes that would work better for a bigger type of company and when you lean and small i think you just need one or two sales reps and the basically simple CRM, even pipe drive could work for you for the beginning stage. Something very simple or, or we use copper. And third one is you don't need any fancy lead scoring systems. Just talk to every customer in until you have them too much. So you need to choose who to talk, who to not talk to.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And and also just one other clarification point. When we're talking about, you know, sort of really early stage, are we talking about sort of pre-revenue, you know, sub 500K in ARR? Like what, what do we, let's sort of define early. For
1: no, it's a good question. I think this early stage would be, I would say, below uh, 50K in, in monthly revenue. So
0: I would say like 50, cool. maybe two, um, yeah, 50K. Let's- Got it. Okay. So it's kind of sub 600K in ARR and just early days, maybe kind of one or two reps. And and one other thing, just as, as we're talking about, so we're talking about sales tech stack, but we're also going to be talking about sort of process and kind of how you build up the team. At Bowery, we really like this model for early stage startups of bringing on what we would consider a kind of renaissance rep. These are full cycle sales reps. They do, you know, the sales development piece. They run it from start to finish, from prospecting all the way through closing the deals and handing that off to customer success or whatever that next function is. What has worked well for you all as you've kind of gone from those early days to where you are now? Did you go with that sort of renaissance rep approach? Did you go for this sort of SDR, AE split right from the get-go? How did you all approach it?
1: I think we did exactly as you suggest. We made from like brand science, as you call it, to basically our sales rep were responsible for everything. Right. And then over the time, it's evolved. So right now, we have SDR team and we have account executive team. We have customer success team. So now it's separate teams. And I think uh, as you scale, the more granular you go, the better it could be. The better, the easier and better you can scale different, your know, whole sales organization. And I think at the beginning, for example, when lead came to us it could be trial it could be demo or it could be like our our outbound efforts as as soon as we have like email of warm or call lead so we would basically put them into system like in our system we use our own uh, tool we would put them into our system Reply.io, and the system would send emails and follow-ups and just creating tasks for this prospects and trying to engage with with the prospect. If prospect reply only after sales rep would basically jump in into conversation or setting up a demo. So I think here it's a main point would be do it manually or have a system like ours or any like our system to like put engagement with all the leads that came to you right away on autopilot or just, or just communicate with them manually or, but make it like with all leads and do it right away. So we should be talking to every lead that's come to you, especially early on.
0: Yeah, I forget the exact stat, but kind of looking at how much higher your overall success rate is when you follow up within you know, five minutes, as opposed to following up within half an hour or an hour or a day. It's pretty crazy how quickly it tails off in terms of your ability to engage with somebody and, and the, kind of really catching them in the true moment of interest and intent. So love that point. So as we're thinking about this sort of early stage, sub 600K and ARR, you mentioned, you know, don't go crazy with CRM. I completely agree. Get something basic, get something that the team will actually use So we've actually had a lot of folks prefer HubSpot over PipeDrive and over Copper. I know this, you know, all of the, the sort of sales ops world, this makes them pull their hair out because it's a harder integration to Salesforce once you want to make the move. So the folks having to do that kind of changeover, it's a bit tougher, but just from a usability perspective, right? If you're having different people on the team, sales reps come on. And at the end of the day, the most important thing with your CRM is that you're actually using it and you're putting good, clean data in and having good CRM hygiene. So that's that's another key key point I try to get folks to, to consider when, when choosing a tool is don't just go with Salesforce just because you think you'll need it down the road. Go with something that is going to start really getting the team to use it. You can start actually, you know, then using the dashboards in your weekly meetings and you can start kind of creating real process around that. And then when you need all the crazy integrations and stuff and you need to upgrade to Salesforce, great. There's always a time and a place for that. So you've got a lightweight CRM, probably don't need anything for lead scoring. What other tools are important at this point? I think
1: actually one of the most important things where we put number one priority for our SDR team right now It's using leads that came to our website, but didn't leave an email. So there's a tool called AlbaCross. So basically they analyze what companies come to your website and by IP address. So they analyze what company come and knowing uh, what company come, we would give this list of companies to our SDR team. They would find VP of sales or different people responsible for buying software would go after after this prospects. So again, if someone comes to your website, even if they don't leave your email or even not sign up, you may see their company name through tools like Alba Cross, and you may want to reach out to them.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you see that with lots of, you know, when you start getting a little bit more, this is probably getting to the next stage beyond 600 K and ARR. Mm-hmm. When you do start using a bit more account-based marketing and measuring how successful you are getting in front of these target accounts. What does their intent look like? Are they coming to the site? Are they engaging with with what you're putting in front of them, et cetera? This sounds like in that same realm, right? If they're coming to the site, but they're not actually inputting anything, how can you still at least figure out from a company level who it is and then using that as to sort of your low-hanging fruit to go after with your SDRs? And, and it makes sense, right? Because if they're coming to your website, then they're at least farther down the funnel than someone who is brand net new cold has no idea who you are has no idea isn't in the market for the service right now so yeah i mean it it makes total sense all right let's talk more about the next stage oleg so we've we focused primarily on sort of the 600K and under, we started kind of getting into, okay, well, what's after that? You mentioned AlbaCross. We've talked a little bit about ABM. Well, what else, you know, as we think about this next stage of growth right now, you've got your kind of barebone CRM. You've got some kind of prospecting tool. You've got some kind of tool that's helping automate your outreach. You know, maybe you're using something for kind of marketing and content, or you have some lightweight kind of CMS, but what next? Well, what's kind of the next level up as you continue to grow? Good
1: question. And actually right now we have pretty big stack. So it's a bit hard for me to know which thing we add first, which thing we add second. But I think at some point you will realize that you have too many leads and you don't have too much resources to talk to all of them. When you realize this, I think this will be the time for set up lead scoring. And I would say we failed two times with setting up lead scoring. It's uh, damn hard to do it right. So first of all, first we went with tool like Matt Kudo. I don't remember if we invest money, but I remember we invested time and it didn't work for us, you providing us not really good data. Second thing is we try to do set up lead scoring by ourselves using ClearBit. And just our API, and as well, we built the system. It was it was not get adopted by our sales team. I don't know. They still were continuing doing it all the ways, and the system was not not that accurate. So we ended up working with these companies, and basically, they reach out to us, claiming that they have some like AI software for lead scoring and some machine learning. If your audience is interested, I could provide any website. And it turns that they really have a good software and a good platform, and they were able to customize for us and set up good lead scoring moreover, they integrated right away with our CRM. So our sales rep, they built integration and connected directly to our CRM without us need to build any integration. Since, again, with other systems, we always needed to build something. Here, we didn't build anything. So since we already passed the list to CRM, they just connected to CRM and enriched data with lead list score, and provided us with a dashboard where we could set up, hey, we want to people from or prospects from these countries or with these titles we want to give them like plus 10 score basically the scoring system and after that again we started tracking and basically abcd type of leads and tracking how we talk to them and giving more like kind of to elites that are active or not active another problem we had we had too many one user deals and we've seen like our sales reps uh, it's taking too much time from them to talk to this one user deal so we said hey we want to set up least scoring system, and now we want to talk you only to this A, B type fleet and CD. Yeah. Fleet.
0: yeah, so for me, it's like, there's a few key takeaways there. And some of these are sort of have broader applications within your sales tech stack. One is kind of out of the box usability. So not actually needing any of your own engineering resources to integrate, that is absolutely key, especially when you're early days and you don't have a massive engineering team and those engineering resources are so, so precious. As you're building out your core features and continuing to expand your product and, and and go to market. So that that's absolutely key. And so I love that you all were able to find kind of that solution where you could actually use it out of the box and you didn't have to go build anything crazy to get it to connect and talk to the rest of your systems. And you know, with the rise of tools like Zapier, this is getting easier and easier for these types of integrations, which is great. The other thing is what you touched on data enrichment. When you think about optimizing, you mentioned this scenario earlier, if someone comes to your website, they don't fill out their email. What do you do? Okay. You can at least figure out something from their IP address, but if you can get them to just put in their email, because we all know the more fields you have in a form, the less likelihood someone is to complete it. But you can actually get really far with someone's email address now with all the data enrichment companies that are out there where from their email, you can figure out name, title, company, technographic information about what their firm uses from a technology stack and and kind of how you integrate their location, kind of everything you'd want in your CRM, you can pretty much get. So I think that's an interesting takeaway. And also just the trial and error, right? With something like lead scoring, you kind of have to be a little bit later in your journey to even know what matters to your prospects and how that converts into your funnel. And so I think that's another interesting lesson here that's also probably more broadly applicable to your kind of tech stack is sometimes you're too early for some best practices because you just don't have enough data. you don't know what's important from a leads going perspective because you haven't had that many cycles of prospects going through your funnel. And so you don't really know what to rank higher than others. And so I think that's another kind of good takeaway yeah thanks for the summary it's right to the point what about other parts of the stack so we've touched on the data enrichment we've touched on lead scoring becomes more relevant here because you have built a bit more of a brand hopefully you've got that kind of engine humming and more leads coming in let's talk about other parts of the stack what else do you typically see in this stage or from your own experience
1: i think the next thing would be coaching tools how i call them for example, we use Go to uh, analyze our sales conversations. And it will be good when, once you have uh, some team in place. So, and you will have someone to coach, someone to learn from. So, I think at some stage, when you have, let's say you have five sales, you or like three, four, five at this range, you want to understand what's working, what's not. I think when you're early stage, you can let every sales rep sell the way they want, which is natural for them, right? But if you want to scale your sales, you need to come up with one approach, how to sell. It could be some some room to creativity, but the, uh, ideally it should be one messaging. It should be one uh, like short presentation and, and one message that's that's just how you sell. So basically it allow you to scale. And we use going to find out what will be the best uh, way. So we use it in two ways first to find some really good points in our something we can learn. And second, it's to monitor that our sales rep follow the framework we have and that we want to scale. And again, and we always improve this one free work using feedback from everyone. So I think at some point, when you're ready to scale, when you have like from two, three to five, have some training tools or any other tools as we analyze conversations and create one way of selling.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I'm glad you brought up Gong. It's an incredible software for those that aren't familiar with it. It basically has created this category of revenue intelligence, started off as pretty simple call recording and has expanded to way, way more than that. And we recently had their head of content strategy, Devin Reed, on the podcast to talk about just how to create content strategy. They've got a bunch of amazing content over there for sales folks. And it's an interesting one for startups, right? Because this is the kind of tool that I think is in that great but expensive category. And the question really isn't, well, would this help me? Because I think the answer is of course, the question is more of when should I buy this thing? I would say tools like Gong are almost becoming a little bit sort of Salesforce-esque in that way. In the sense of you're going to get it eventually. It's just a matter of when. And so it sounds like for you all, when it came down to that decision, you sort of used that three to five sales rep number as kind of your barometer for when to get that kind of tool. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So I think it's good for teams when you have teams, when you have abilities to coach. So it's one thing is install call uh, GONG, but another, another thing is to have this. We have bi weekly meetings to kind of analyze GONG data. And it's a lot of data to analyze and go through and have all this training in place.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like in this next stage, you're getting a bit more refined with your lead scoring and how you're prioritizing who you're talking to you're getting more refined with your actual sales process. You know, maybe you have a lightweight go-to-market playbook at this point, but now you actually have enough data and a big enough team where you can start aggregating and analyzing and coming up with best practices to really see what's working in market, using tools like Gong to do that. Anything else that's key when you think about this sort of next stage as you graduate from the basics and start getting a little bit fancier? It's
1: a good question, actually. One thing that I wanted to share, I think it's probably someone did it, but I think it's a bit unique for us. We implemented just half a year ago. So that's probably for companies that's maybe around like 200K MMR or like 2 million in annual revenue. But at one point you realize we want to be transparent and we want to give everyone ability to come to website and trial the product. We wouldn't want to have gatekeepers. We don't want to have this qualification calls and the demo calls and proposal and documents before someone can see the product. So one of our belief and core value, it doesn't matter about money. We know, again, we maybe make more money if we just put it as everyone do, just put a demo and high prices but it goes against our core values. So our core value is to be transparent with pricing and transparent with the product. Anyone could go to the pricing and could go to the trial. But the problem we've seen, while it's good for small companies to see the pricing and for big one as well, and to go into product, we've realized that this could be some big company, let's say Microsoft, that see pricing, they went into the product, they didn't understand anything in the product, and basically we lost them. So we may email them, we want want to try and get them on the call, but they think they've already seen the product, they didn't get it, and they don't want to take into the score. It's already done for them. We realized that bigger companies, the buying process is a bit different from small smaller companies. Small companies may go without demo. They could go to the trial. Everything works for them. They may see the demo, may not see the demo during the trial, and they buy. But bigger companies, it should be multiple people on a demo call, and we need to show them solution. Bigger companies, they use to the process of buying is to see solution first, see the demo. That's one of the process. So I think one thing that's a bit of our proprietary things, we say it for companies, that's less than 100 employees when they sign up for the, our website, they basically, they get to the trial. It's as before. But for companies, that's more than hundred people. When they sign up to the trial, we basically don't allow them to do trial. So we'll show them currently where they could pick a time for a demo call. And we call it onboarding session. And we make it must for companies uh, that's hundred plus people. And this, since we know the buyer process is not for trial, the buyer process goes through demo and usually on this demo there's not just one person there should be a team of multiple people multiple stakeholders we try to invite them all so what does allow us to do it still allow us to be transparent for smaller companies and give them ability to get trial but we improved experience for bigger companies against someone may be disappointed that, that they can get trial from bigger companies but we believe that's the better way it would be for bigger companies to get familiar with our software
0: that's interesting so a couple key takeaways for me there one is as you evolve and you're growing you're evolving your qualification process as well and you may find okay i've got a couple different ideal client profiles that are emerging one is more enterprise one is more small to mid-market and maybe i have two different sales processes as a result of that based on the way that they buy. And so for a bigger company, if they're making decisions by committee, if we have to go through procurement, there's more hoops, it's a longer sales cycle. We want to adjust accordingly. If they're a smaller, more nimble company and it's kind of one or two people can quickly make that decision, then great, let's adjust our sales process as well so that we can move quickly and not get in our own way. So I really like changing the sales process, changing the way that you qualify depending on some key indicator that you've identified, which in this case, it sounds like it's company size based on number of people. The other thing that's really interesting to me is this is a hybrid of sorts on this bottoms up product led growth movement that we've seen really grow in popularity. And what's interesting about this is you're filtering out. Okay. I know that The trial can really help accelerate my deals for the smaller companies, less than hundred people. So I'm going to unlock that and make that easily accessible, but I'm not sure it's actually going to help me with the bigger companies because I know they're going to need to have these internal conversations. So how can I help make that happen? And if that's a scheduled demo, then that's a scheduled demo. So I think that's a really interesting approach that I haven't heard of too many companies taking in terms of actually kind of segmenting it out that way. Do you feel like you get much pushback from the bigger companies when they can't get a trial right away or just because you have a process and because you can be transparent with them about what that process is, then does that help just reduce any friction there?
1: We don't see much pushback. I think, again, as well, so on this page where we show a calendar, we say there's a few options, you can book a demo, you can call us and there's a number, or you can chat with us. And, and if they chat with us and say that, hey, we don't need demo, we're familiar with tools like this, or we don't want to call, we'll basically let them into trial. So we don't see uh, that much. And I think as well, in bigger companies, it's normal for them to go through demo,
0: to go th- this process great where should we kind of go next do you want to move on to the next stage and where do you want to take it from here
1: let's move to the next stage next stages for us would be that we're building a separate team we're just go by different verticals so we'll have different sales team for different verticals or company sides. so for example one sales team we actually started building that goal after like small business let's if they need help or we Sales are here to show them a demo. Another team goes after mid-market deals. And then the third one would be enterprise. The team will be planning to build someone who will have a completely different process for selling. Since, again, one thing that we understand until we have this strict separation, it will be hard to scale. Since we'll be just dealing with small users the same as they deal with enterprise users. And we've already seen that. Change that and have different teams, different sales responsible for that. So I think that's the next thing that we're just doing right now.
0: Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, you see that with lots of successful companies as you grow and your sales team grows and your market continues to get more and more defined. There's natural kind of delineations there where you can say, okay, this team is going to handle, you know, SME and inbound. And maybe that is the more of the sort of trial led product led growth model Mm -hmm. where, the people that the sales team is spending time with maybe they've already trialed the platform for for seven days or a month or, you know, whatever the usage threshold is. And you've got the enterprise team, which is actually doing a lot more sort of customized demos and running a more kind of sales led process. What other types of tools should we cover?
1: If you don't mind, talk about a bit about customer success because customer success is part of our sales team. And last year, we actually really lucky to find one tool that's helped us build right customer health score system. So basically, a system to measure customer health. Sure. That's so one thing is to so get customers. Another thing is to keep them.
0: Yeah. Let's dig into to customer success.
1: Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Sure. So one thing I think once you grow, once you have this, like let's say like two to three hundred MMR, I think it's or even before, it's important focus not only on growing your user base, but now you have like free technical user base, and you need to make sure all these customers will stay with you and will renew, and you will not have like a bucket problem. So I think right now we've shifted and shifted more to focusing on our customers more than just attracting new logos. I think it's attracting new logos is, is important, but now we have customers who like, use our tools, and we have obligations to deliver great services for them, and we need to make sure that they are staying with us, expanding and successful. So we had actually, we tried to, we sell customer success tool as well. It was trial, it's an error. First, we tried to implement one super expensive tool. I think it's around 20K per year. And we were not successful with that. We implemented it, but it was too clunky. We wasn't able to pass all the data. It takes us too long. Second, iteration, we tried. We build it. And again, our, our customer success team ended up not using it as well. It was very limited. And the third thing, again, third iteration, I found a tool called Sales Machine, and it's fantastic. Since it's easy to use system, I'm used to be a programmer, so from programmer perspective, from product owner perspective, it's just beautifully done product and it's a reasonable price, and it's provides us with ability to set up it very easily, very fast and allow us all the customizations that we want. So basically, just recently, we set up sales machine that right now show us how our customers are performing. And this could be different parameters that we could set. This could be how often they log into the website or how many actions they do or how many calls they do, how many emails they do. So we could basically see that uh, thing uh, in the system as well. We could monitor drop in any parameter. So let's say if we see number of weekly emails sent, drop more than 30% in, in a month, we could have a like trigger, and our customer success team will be notified that we have account usage drop. So this is very important. And one thing that I want to say as well in this customer success system is built so nice to have a different segment of customers. So we created tier one, tier two, tier three, and tier four, a uh, group of customers. So tier one will be our biggest customers by NMR and by team size, tier two smaller than this and tier three even smaller, tier four. So for tier four, we would not have a sales team. We would use only marketing to basically re-engage them and to increase their account adoption. But for tier one customers, it's our biggest customers, we'll have our most senior customer success manager to kind of look after these customers. And basically we could understand where each customer to understand and then tier two and tier three, and more importantly, this we found in this system. Let's say in tier one, we have three segments it's called good health, average health, and bad health. So, we focus our sales team on users that are like, again, if you want to prevent churn, we would focus our customer success team on a yellow zone, so customers that have like not great usage. Someone who is in a bad zone, like red, most probably it's too late to come and talk to them since they already don't use it software. On a yellow zone, I think that's the user that's basically just having just okay results. So we focus on helping them. And as well, we have this green zone and we we wanna make sure that this green zone we keep in touch with and like regularly every quarter or every semi-annually. And basically you can just provide with any help as well in this customer success system. It's a lot we can do there. We track there as well, our annual upgrades. We tried their account expansion of those many teams, many basically parties are in this tool that's basically monitor and understand what's going on with our customers and how we could basically grow customers that we already have without attracting new logos. I
0: think that's, that's a lot of great insight. And it makes a ton of sense as you think about, you know, as you grow, you have more and more customers that are of kind of varying levels of, of MRR and therefore of importance. And then you also have a bigger team. And so it's harder to kind of communicate across team and everybody stay in sync. And so these types of softwares like you're mentioning can really help, especially when I think about the connectivity between product and customer success and actually making sure that Customer success has really good insight into what does usage look like? How is the kind of customer ROI looking to help arm them with what they need for those either renewal or expansion or sort of churn avoidance conversations, whatever it may be. Because the more data they have, the, the better prepared they're going to be and the better chance they are to to successfully navigate those conversations, whether it's a tough conversation or one that is a bit happier and, and geared towards the upsell. So it may, makes a ton of sense. I think that's a really good note to end on, Oleg, and we will be sure to include lots of the links of the different tools that we talked about today in the blog post corresponding with the podcast so that folks can check them out. Oleg, thank you so much for, for sharing all these insights with us and for coming on the show.
1: Thanks a lot, Evan. Glad to be here.
0: Awesome. And that's our show. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.